0: If you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 14. That's where we're going to begin, Mark chapter 14. But before we get there, there's a story about a a young boy. And this young boy is a little bit a mischievous young boy. And his dad uh, thought of a good way to uh, maybe punish him for the wrongs that he was doing. And so he told the boy, you know, every time that you do a wrong to someone, I want you to take a nail and I want you to go to the barn door and nail that nail uh, into the barn door. And so the young boy did that over the past couple of months. Uh, Every time he wronged somebody, he went and took a nail and he hammered it into the barn door. Well, after a while, his father came to him and said, now, this is what I want you to do. Every time you do something good for somebody, I want you to remove a nail from the barn door. And so over again the past month or two, uh, as the father would watch that door uh, his son would go to, eventually those nails started coming out of the door of the barn door and eventually there were no more nails in the barn door and his father congratulated him son that's very impressive I'm very encouraged about your conduct being improved and the boy said well thank you daddy all the nails are gone but there's still the holes well this morning we're going to be talking about forgiveness forgiveness how Jesus forgave. You know, forgiveness is really the central theme, the core of the gospel, isn't it? The heart of what Jesus came to this earth was all about. You know, we'll call it different things from time to time. Remission of sins, forgiveness of sins, a reconciliation. But the idea is that we have sinned and we have been separated from God and we need to be restored, right? And there's that, that vertical uh, fellowship between us and God that we need restored, but there's also the, the horizontal fellowship between our fellow man, right? Our brothers and sisters that who we might sin against. You know, we may have a lot of holes in our barn doors as well. You know, uh, you might be thinking this morning, well, Michael, I think you've preached on forgiveness once or twice since you've been here, and you would be absolutely correct because it's something I think that we all struggle with in this life is being Christ-like in our forgiveness, or, you know, it's hard to say, I forgive you, right? And we understand that there's a difference between lip forgiveness and heart forgiveness. You know, someone's coming towards us and we say, hey, how you doing? But as soon as they leave, you know, we're rolling our eyes. Can you believe that person? Uh, That's lip forgiveness. What we want is heart forgiveness. We play games sometimes with our forgiveness where God doesn't. We continually need to practice this discipline. It's an important thing. And if you listen to what Mikey read this morning in Matthew 6, you know, uh, uh, our salvation is on the line when it comes to forgiveness. If we can't forgive, God said, or Jesus said, that God will not forgive us. So what do I need to do this morning? What do I need to do to be better at forgiving others? That's what our lesson is going to be about now, of course, when we think of the Bible, we think of, well, what would Jesus do in that situation? Did Jesus leave us an example of how to forgive others? Well, yes, of course, we can think broadly and say, well, of course, John three sixteen, he gave his life for the whole world, right? He did that. But is there a more specific example? Is there an example that I can look at to the scriptures and say, hey, that's what Jesus did to help forgive someone. Maybe I can apply that into my own life. And there is exactly that this morning. We're, again, uh, if you're in Mark chapter 14 this morning, uh, I want you to notice a couple of things first before we uh, dive in. In Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 27, here, of course, uh, we read about Jesus right after he institutes the Lord's Supper, r- right before he's going to be arrested and go to the cross. In Mark 14, verse 27, it says, And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd. And the sheep shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, even though you may fall away, yet I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows twice, you yourself will deny me three times. But Peter kept saying insistently, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they were all saying, The same thing also. So again, you know, Jesus here is saying, listen, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. And Peter speaks up, doesn't he? It's Peter. Our lesson is going to be around Peter this morning who says, listen, I will not deny you. I will even die for you. But we all know what happens. Flip over to verse 66 of the same chapter. Verse 66. Of course, Jesus has gone to the cross. And now here in verse 66, It says here, as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus the Nazarene. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are talking about. And he went out onto the porch and the servant girl saw him and began once more to say by the bystanders, this is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders were again saying to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean too. But he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man you are talking about. And immediately a rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had made the remark to him before a rooster crows twice. You will deny me three times. And he began to weep. Peter says, I will not deny you, Lord. But he does. Not just once, not just twice, but three times. Luke's account in Luke chapter 22, it's interesting because it says after uh, he denies him, Jesus looked. He looks at Peter. What was that look like? We don't know. Was it a a look of disappointment, of sadness, of I told you so sort of look? No, we don't know what that look would have been like. But at that moment, we know that Peter was convicted. He was guilt ridden. He was ashamed and he left the presence of the Lord and wept bitterly. And again, we think of Peter this morning saying, I will not deny you, Lord. And he denies him three times. Uh, His good friend, Jesus, being arrested, the, the person who he has traveled together for these past three years, who lived together, worked together, ate together, prayed together. And the last remembrance he has of Jesus is I've just denied him and I have to live with that. Well, we fast forward in the scripture account to Mark chapter 16 and some things take place. Right? Jesus, of course, he, he is resurrected from the dead. Peter has a one-on-one interaction with Jesus that we don't really know anything about. There's also some interaction where Jesus appears to all of the apostles at once. But when we get to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2, eventually you remember Peter is the one who's going to be preaching that great gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost. He's going to be preaching Jesus as the son of God, Uh, not the Apostle John, not Thomas, but it's Peter, a man who in the depths of his depression from wronging Jesus and now boldly proclaiming the truth that he's the son of God. Where did this all come from? You know, we might ask ourselves, uh, how did this forgiveness take place? If going from denying the Lord three times until now where he's preaching the gospel sermon in Acts chapter two, what took place? I mean, did did Peter simply just maybe hope that Jesus would forget all about that denial? Did did, did Jesus tell Peter during that time? Well, hey, no big deal. You know, I I know that uh, you did that, but it's not a big deal. Let's just wash our hands of that. Well, no, we're going to notice here uh, in some of these verses that Jesus was deliberate in his forgiveness of Peter. What did he do to restore Peter? Peter. And maybe by studying this together, when somebody sins against us, we might have some ideas of how to help them understand that they have been forgiven. Was there any evidence that Jesus showed as he forgave Peter? Well, yes, there is. And so let's, let's notice these four uh, points here this morning. And number one, there was a desire for the person is made known. If you're still in Mark chapter 16, uh, look at verse 7. This is just a very, very interesting verse here. The the angels, of course, are talking to the women there at the tomb. And just notice this. In Mark chapter 16, verse 7, the angels tell the women, But go, tell his disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. They say, Go, tell his disciples and Peter. Peter. Well, why not go tell his disciples and John? Why not go tell the disciples and Thomas? Why not go tell the disciples and James? Why did the angel specifically say, go tell the disciples and Peter? Again, remember, Peter at this point is probably down in the dumps. He's probably wondering if he is even an apostle anymore. If if Jesus even considers him one of his friends. They all fled. Yes, they all fled. But it was Peter who denied him the three times. It was Peter who said, I don't know him. It was Peter who who cursed and swore that that what he was saying was true. Am I still in favor with Jesus? Am I still part of the 12? I'm sure he doesn't want me around. I mean, I left. I I stood him up. I I didn't testify for him. But Jesus, through those angels to, to the disciples here, says... I want you to, Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. And if you're someone who likes to uh, you know, write in your Bibles, underline in your Bibles, underline and Peter. What a verse to, to remember there as you're going through there. That Jesus is saying, I need you, Peter. I want you, Peter. I am seeking this reconciliation. I, he, he's looking for this reconciliation. And that gives us the question here this morning is when someone needs our forgiveness... Do we evidence that to them? Do we show our love and desire for them, even though that they may have wronged us? Listen, we can make it hard on others or we can make it easy on them who, who sinned against us. You desire other people's well-being, don't you? You're over it. So, so go ahead and show it. Right? Don't, don't leave them in lim- limbo. Uh, let's move on. We're, we're past this. George Bernard Shaw, a playwright, he wrote this. And I thought this quote was so applicable to our lesson this morning. But he wrote, the worst sin towards our fellow creatures is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. That's the essence of inhumanity. Indifference is certainly not forgiveness. Indifference is rage controlled. You know, how much do we would we have to hate our brothers and sisters to uh, to not even mention to them? To right? not even show a desire that, that you want that reconciliation. Right? Jesus was not indifferent to Peter. He says, I haven't written you off, Peter. I desire for you to be one of my disciples. That's what Jesus did. I, I know this point may be simple. You might be thinking, well, this isn't anything new. Right? But, but that's how Jesus started this off. I need you, Peter. Go and tell the disciples and Peter to meet me uh, in Galilee. And he made his desire known to Peter. We as well can do that in our lives as well. Number two, uh, the person is included socially. Uh, Turn with me to John chapter 21. The next three uh, points are going to be taken from John chapter 21. Here we have the account where where Jesus, of course, has died he has been buried he's been resurrected and he's making those post resurrection appearances to the disciples in John chapter 21 it's that scene where they're at the beach you remember this and seven of the disciples are out there fishing and uh, Jesus comes upon the beach and he's cooking a meal for them Uh, he's preparing some food for them and uh, again we're only told that seven of those apostles are there but one of them happens to be Peter You know, we notice that Jesus doesn't, you know, look out into the sea and see who's in the boat and say, well, wait a minute. I I think that might be Peter on there. And, you know, we kind of have that history. And, you know, he denied me those three times. And so maybe I shouldn't, uh, you know, provide this meal for him or or maybe I should just wait a different time. You know, things might get a little awkward here between him and I. But that's not what Jesus did, did he? He included Peter in this meal. And this wasn't a worship service. This, this wasn't Jesus preaching or teaching. I mean, this was just simply a meal. Peter, everyone else, come share this meal with me. He included him in that. He included him socially. And again, we ask another question. When someone has wronged us, when someone is seeking forgiveness, how do we evidence that in our lives? Do we seek to include them socially? You know, Again, because they may be wondering, I don't know if they like me anymore. I don't know if they'll ever talk to me again. Jesus included Peter socially. Listen, if someone here forgave me and then asked me to do something outside of church, you know, that's going to be pretty convincing to me that they forgave me. Right? That's going to be very convincing to me. I was doing a study the other day about a man by the name of Nubuo Fujita. And I'm probably really butchering the name, but uh, his last name is Fujita, and he was a Japanese fighter pilot during World War II. It's probably a name that you've never heard of, uh, maybe a name that you've never even seen mentioned in the history of World War II. But he's known as the only fighter pilot, enemy fighter pilot, to have ever bombed the mainland of the United States. Again, I had no idea that this even took place. But this in 1942. He got into range of this small little city of Brookings, Oregon, and he dropped a few bombs on Brookings, Oregon. Now, the, 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 the thing, I guess the lucky part for the United States was, you know, Oregon's a wet place, and so uh, those bombs really didn't do anything, didn't do too much destruction. But, but the point is, is that 20 years later, this city got together, and they said, you know, what can we do? What could we do to make some reconciliation between us and the Japanese? And so they had the idea, let's invite Fujita to Brookings, Oregon, as a goodwill gesture. Let's invite him here and show that there's no ill will anymore. And Fujita accepted the invitation. And not only did he accept the invitation, he came bearing this 400-year samurai sword, a family heirloom that was in his family for generations, and he gave it to the small little city as again, as a goodwill gesture, uh, accept, my, uh, my, my, accept my apologies for what had happened. And now that sword there is laid out in a museum or somewhere within that small town for anyone to come and to look at and see the symbol of friendship and forgiveness. They included him socially. They said, listen, we want to make things right with you and we want you to know that. And so they invited him to America to do that. So again, first we notice that Jesus made the person known. He made a desire to make Peter known that I need you, that I want you. We notice that Peter also included him socially. Well, the third thing we want to notice in how Jesus forgave is that the difficult issues were discussed privately. If you're still in John chapter 21, notice verses 15 through 17. They're going to have this conversation, Peter and Jesus alone. And it says, so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Right? So so here's the the picture we get, right? Jesus and Peter, they're walking along the beach together alone. And they're discussing the, the past events that have happened. And it's here really where Peter and Jesus, that relationship is mended. See, when, when forgiveness is sought, do we discuss those things in private? I mean, is that our attitude to go to those people in private, to hash those things out? You know, I can see a lot of brethren say, well, listen, you know, Peter, uh, he, he took that publicly when he denied Jesus. So he ought to, Jesus ought to do that in public as well, right? right? To, to maybe turn the tables a little bit. But that's not what happened. Right? Jesus took him aside privately and had this meeting. And he says, do you love me more than these? Now, I know there's a little bit of discretion. What was he talking about? Was he talking about the fish that they had just caught? Or was he talking about the fishing equipment that that Peter, uh, you know, was a fisherman and grew up doing? Or or was he talking about the other disciples? And I think that's the point that Jesus was trying to make. Do you love me more than the other disciples? Because remember, Peter, a couple of days ago, you know, you got on them, didn't you? you? You said, I won't leave you. Even if anyone else leaves you, I won't do that. Do you really love me more than these, these others? Well, here's the point of this conversation: as he took it to a private setting, Jesus walked alone with Peter and discussed their relationship. Right? things are better when we do it face to face. You know, I know we live in a world today where everyone has a smartphone, everyone has, you know, video chat or whatever, uh, you know, just access to to a phone or some sort of communications device. Social media has made this tough, hasn't it? Now, you know, we look at a lot of you know our brethren when we're discussing things online, and you know, we tend to uh, you know, be a little bit more dominant when we're on social media, right? We, we will call other people's out. Uh, we'll say things that we wouldn't say to somebody face to face, right? And one of those ways allows reconciliation, you know, these face to face meetings, but but these other ways, these social media ways. Allow us to maybe expose someone in a public way. I remember a lectureship I went to up in northern Michigan, a small little lectureship. And this was some time ago. But uh, uh, one of the preachers, well, the whole lectureship was on Satan and hell. And one of the lessons was given. And I remember right after that lesson that was given by that preacher, that young preacher, a man came up to him immediately and and said, listen, let's go outside and talk. And so they went outside and talked and, you know, I could see some things through the doors. You know, I could see that they had their Bibles open and, you know, and there was a a good discussion going on. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to know what was being said. Well, do you know what was being said in that discussion? I don't. I never found out. Why? Because they took that discussion in private. It was between them. It wasn't anything to do with me. Uh, Now, if he would have went and told me maybe a little bit later, uh, you know, sure, maybe I would have known what that discussion was about. But he didn't. I have no idea. And that's the way it ought to be. See, if we go to our brethren directly, just like Jesus did to Peter, no one else has to know. You know, that's the beauty of Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. You know, these passages right, where Jesus says, if a brother sins against you, you go to him in public and tell him about it. That's what it says, right? No, it doesn't. Jesus says, when your brother sins against you, you go to him and you talk to him in private. Well, why private? Well, the, well, it just might be that your brother or your sister who sinned against you, maybe they didn't know any better. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was just a simple mistake that needs correction. It doesn't need to be uh, embarrassed. They don't need to be made embarrassed. They don't need to, someone to come up here into the pulpit and say, Well, sister, you know, so-and-so said this and she sinned against me and we reconciled it. No, go to them in private and take care of that business, Jesus says. Now he he says in the next verse, if you can't do that, then bring two or three witnesses with you and discuss it again with that person. And again, if they deny, then bring it before the church. But again, Jesus begins by saying, go to them in private. It's, and again, this is where things were mended between Jesus and Peter. And here's the best part of Matthew chapter 18. You're dealing with brethren, aren't you? You're, you're dealing with brothers and sisters who, who love Jesus. And so the issue should be resolved. Uh, no one has to know, right? We don't broadcast it all out for everyone to know. We don't make public one's weakness. And that's exactly what Jesus did here with Peter. He reconciled with Peter and they did it in a private manner. And again, the brilliance of of this as we notice how Jesus forgave Peter. And just one more point from John chapter 21. We want to notice that trust was demonstrated by conferring responsibility upon him. Jesus showed his trust in Peter by giving him some responsibility. We just read that in verses 15 through 17, right? He says, tend my lambs, shepherd my sheep, tend my sheep. He says that three times, doesn't he? Now, there's probably no coincidence there because, again, Peter denies him those three times. But Jesus here is verbalizing his belief in Peter's ability to effectively minister. I need you, Peter. I know what you're capable of. And I'm giving you that responsibility back. I need you to shepherd my sheep, tend my lambs. I've heard often, brethren, well, not often, but I've heard brethren sometimes say, well, listen, I'll forgive that person. Because that's what the Bible tells me I need to do. But they just better stay out of my way. How can a Christian, a forgiving Christian, a Christian who has been forgiven and who is supposed to forgive, how can we treat each other in such a way to say something to to that effect? Or the preacher, the story of the preacher who moves to a new work and he goes in and he's being, inv- uh, you know, he's being introduced to all the new congregates, and they say to the one person, well, listen, you see you know, brother so-and-so over there? Listen, I'm just, I'm just warning you, you know, if you ever cross brother so-and-so, he's gonna write you off. You just be careful around brother so-and-so. That's not how Christians behave. The Christians don't write other people off, write other Christians off. There's a phrase sometimes I hear a lot, and I always cringe when I hear it, when people say, listen, I love you, but I don't have to like you. And I understand why they say that, right? Because, because the Bible says we have to love one another. We want to love one another. But, but we have different um, personalities. We have different characteristics. There's just some people that maybe we don't mesh well, and so people will say, listen, I love you, but I don't have to like you. And again, I cringe when people say that. Really? That's our mentality? Imagine imagine Jesus saying to Peter in this instance, listen, you you denied me three times. You left me up on that cross. I love you, Peter, but uh, I don't like you too much right now. Jesus would never say that. When someone needs our forgiveness, do we help restore their vision? Do we help them see the good that they can perform in God's kingdom? Listen, I know these four steps may seem simple, But Jesus did all of these, and Peter was a changed man. He died preaching Jesus, and it all had to do how Jesus, Jesus treated Peter. Another lesson on forgiveness this morning. Well, yes, because this is an important issue, right? Heaven and hell are in the balance. This is not just a peripheral issue. This isn't a minor issue of forgiveness, but we must forgive each other from the heart. The passage that Mikey read in Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15. If we can't forgive each other, God will not forgive us. But again, we may say this morning, well, I struggle granting forgiveness. I don't know how to do it that well. Well, thankfully, we have an example in Scripture of one who was perfect in granting forgiveness and a blueprint that he gave for us to follow. Have we done the work this morning that Jesus has done with Peter Now, yes, I understand Peter was at fault. Peter committed the sins, but it was Jesus, Jesus who made things so much easier for Peter. He made that desire known to Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter, I need Peter. I want him. He's included him in socially again. Come eat this meal with me, Peter. He went to him in a private setting. This is what I have against you, Peter, and uh, let's work things out here. And he gave him a purpose. Peter, you're still needed. Go tend my sheep. And we would all do well this morning by following our Lord's example. We need to begin today by building those bridges of reconciliation if we need to. Matthew chapter 5 verses 20 through 24. This is up here on the board. But I want to read this as we close this morning. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount says here. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Jesus says this morning, make forgiveness a priority in your life. Whether you need to ask someone for forgiveness or someone is seeking forgiveness from you, make it a priority. Leave your gift at the altar and go and get it done. Listen, you and I are forgiving people because our God is a forgiving God. Do you have some holes in your barn door this morning? You know, you've done something maybe you ought to shouldn't have, but uh, you, you reconciled it and you took that nail out of the barn. But that hole still exists, doesn't it? And we can't do anything to fill those holes. We can't. But Jesus can. And Jesus, the blood of Jesus, can fill those holes. Uh, by contacting the blood of Jesus, that we can have our sins washed away and we can have that forgiveness of sins. And this morning, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've never come to, come to God. Maybe you've never come to Jesus. We would love the opportunity to help you with that this morning, to, to, to show you what the Bible has to say, how those early disciples in the first century, how they became Christians, that they heard God's word, that they believed it, That they repented of their sins, that they confessed Jesus as Lord, and then they were baptized immediately for the forgiveness of their sins. And the Lord added them to his church. Or maybe this morning you're you're a member of the Lord's church. You've been baptized in the Christ. But again, maybe there's that forgiveness aspect in your life that I'm I'm just really bad at it. I hold a lot of grudges, and I'm not a forgiving person. Jesus says, listen, turn that around this morning. Come back to me. Forgive others so that your God in heaven can forgive you. And this morning, if we can help you with any of those needs, let us know as together we stand and sing.